You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY Podcast on Apple Podcasts. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. Well, it is good to see you here this morning. Today we are in part two of our series that we began last week called X Marks the Spot. And in this series we are focusing on discipleship. Discipleship, as we said last week, it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong process. And because it's a lifelong journey, it's easy oftentimes to get distracted or to get sidetracked, to, to move away from, from the path that we should be on. And so as we go on this journey of discipleship, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We need to keep our, our gaze locked on Him, or as we're saying for the purpose of this series, the, the X that marks the spot on our discipleship map. Last week we started in John chapter 10 where Jesus uses an analogy of, of sheep and a shepherd, and he says that he's a good shepherd. In fact, three different times in that passage of Scripture, he refers to himself as the good shepherd, and he says that he knows his sheep, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And so last week we talked about the importance of knowing the voice of God, being able to hear the voice of God and discerning the voice of God. And ultimately what we came down, the conclusion was that if you want to know the voice of God, if you want to hear the voice of God, then you simply need to open up his word and read the words of God because he's given us what he has to say and all we have to do is open it up and read it for ourselves and so last week we we challenged you to use the remaining time left in the year we've got uh, just under four months left in our year to begin reading through the New Testament you can you can read through the New Testament just by reading a chapter or two a day and getting through the New Testament through the end of the year. Maybe you don't need to do that. Maybe you're still on your Bible reading plan that you started back in January. If you are, good job. Like keep, keep up the good work. Keep reading. Keep, keep digging into God's Word. But if you're if you, kind of like me, you get into Leviticus and you like, kind of hit a lull there and you need a little pick-me-up, pick it up in one of the Gospels and, and go from there and start just reading through the words of Jesus. And so... Um, that's, that's what we want to encourage you to do, and we're going to continue to encourage you to do that throughout the remainder of this series and really throughout the rest of the year, is just to dig into God's Word. Today we're going to look at another analogy that Jesus uses, and so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is, is where we're going to spend our time today, and in this analogy, Jesus compares his relationship with his followers to, to that of a vine and a branch. This is what he says, we're going to start at verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into a fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then verse 9. He says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my, lo in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now Jesus uses another agricultural uh, 
analogy here to compare himself and his relationship up to his followers. And I know a lot of you all are agricultural people. You, you have farms. You grew up on farms. I grew up on a farm. But we didn't raise any grapes or vines or anything like that. Uh, we, had, we raised corn and tobacco, and we had lots of cows. So if you want to talk cows, I can, I can talk cows with you or, or that kind of stuff. But I don't always understand some of these analogies because they're just, I haven't had that life experience. So to help us better understand this analogy, I've got a short little video that I want you to watch. Now, after watching that, I don't know that I could tell you any more about pruning a grapevine than, than I could before, but there were a couple of things that stood out to me as I, as I saw that video. In fact, there were two statements that were made, and the first one was said by one of the young farmers as he was clearing away some of the brush. He said, you have to get rid of the growth that doesn't need to be there. Now, that's a pretty simple statement, and, and we would think probably an obvious one, too, but it's absolutely vital for the health of those branches, for the, for the health of that vine, to get rid of all the stuff, to get rid of all the growth that doesn't need to be there. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. If you want to, to grow in your relationship with Him, if you want your relationship with Jesus to be strengthened, there might be some things that you need to get rid of in your life. There might be some growth that has grown up around you that you need to get rid of, that we, that we need to prune away, so to speak. Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's, it's a secret sin. Maybe it's a relationship that just weighs you down. Maybe it's a job or, or even an environment that you just often find yourself in and it's just not good for you or, or your spiritual relationship with Jesus. I don't know what it is for you personally. I, I can't tell you that. But here's what I do know is that all too often we find Christians who seemingly want to follow Jesus, who, who want to be in step with Jesus. And all too often, they, they can't seem to keep their, their head above the water because they've got some anchor attached to their feet and it's just pulling them down, pulling them away from Jesus. It's, it's keeping them from growing in their relationship because there's so much growth that has grown up around them that's just not healthy. And so it needs to be cut, cut away, it needs to be thrown away, it needs to be pruned. And so maybe the thing that you need to do to strengthen your relationship with Jesus is to let Him do some pruning in your life. To let Him trim away the extra things that, that have grown up around you that are choking the life out of your relationship with Him. And I can tell you that's not an easy thing to do. It's, it, it's not easy at all. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 1, he says that we should throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Now when you read that, at first glance it seems like an easy thing to do, right? Just throw it off. Just get rid of it, right? If, if there's something that's that's blocking your path, that's keeping you from a relationship with Jesus or keeping you from growing your, in your relationship with Jesus, just, just throw it away, right? Just get rid of it. But it's not that simple all the time. In fact, he says that there's sin that easily entangles us. I've told you before that, that one of my favorite shows is Survivor, and it's getting ready to come back on in the fall, and I'm excited for it. It's, it's always a just a must-see TV for me. But one of the particular challenges that I enjoy watching the contestants complete is, is one where the teammates are attached to ropes and, and all the ropes are knotted up and everybody's attached to rope and they've got to untangle to, to be able to give themselves enough rope to be able to complete the challenge. And it seems like an easy concept. When you hear Jeff Probst explain the challenge to the contestants, you go, okay, they should whiz right through this. This should take them no time at all. But it never is that easy for them. In fact, it, it seems like they always inevitably, one of the teams anyway, ends up much more tangled up than it was when they started. And all that really needs to happen for that to take place is for one of the team members to either get ahead of everybody else 
or one of the team members to lag behind everybody else, or, or one just simply not paying attention to which way they need to step and which way the ropes are going. And before, before you know it, the ropes are tangled up even worse than they were when they started. And I think that challenge, it's a great picture of our relationship with sin. Most people that, that I know, and probably most people that you know, they don't want to be tangled up in sin, at least not in what we would consider the big sins, right? Like all of the big things we want to try and avoid. I don't know anybody really that says, you know, these big sins, I'm just going to mess my life up with them. Nobody says that. Nobody aims to do that. And yet, how often do we find people that we know or even find ourselves trapped in sin, and when, and when we find ourselves trapped in that sin, we do everything that we can on our own to hide, hide that sin and to conceal it and, and eventually, hopefully, overcome that sin because we don't want anybody else to know what sin problem it is that we struggle with, with right? So, so we want to hide it and conceal it while we try and overcome it. And, and if you're trying to untangle your mess on your own, and that's what it is. That's what sin is. It's just a big mess. If you're trying to untangle that on your own, let me be clear about this. You can't do it on your own. You will always end up more tangled and in more of a mess than, it, than you were when you started. You need the help of other people. That's part of discipleship is accountability. You need other people in your life to hold you accountable. And you need to be holding other people accountable. accountable. So maybe, maybe that's a start, but even more than that, what you need is the help of Jesus. Jesus is the only one that, that can free us from our sin. He's the only one that can break the chains of, of the bondage of our sin. He's the only one. And so maybe more than anything else, we just need to walk closely with Jesus so that he can free us from that sin. There's a song that, that became popular a few years ago. It's called Chain Breaker by Zach Williams. And it's one of my favorite songs. It's just a song that speaks to me. And here's what one of the verses to that song says. It says, We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things that we know just ain't right. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like someone who is caught up in sin, who's just trying and trying and trying. They, they want to follow Jesus so badly, and they want to walk with him, but they're trying, and they can't uh, overcome this mess that they've gotten themselves in on their own. That's what those verses sound like to me. But here's what the chorus of that song says. It says, if you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, He's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, He's a prison-shaken Savior. If you've got chains, He's a chain breaker. The only way to an untangled life, the only way to a life free of sin is found only in Jesus, not in anywhere else. It's found only in Jesus. And sometimes that requires a pruning process to take place in our lives. And it's not easy, and it's oftentimes painful. It's not painless. Sometimes, in fact, it's, it's very difficult. And very painful. But pruning is a refining process. Pruning refines us. I'm reminded of what Malachi 3, 3 says, that, that the Lord will sit as a refiner of silver. This week I read a story about a lady who was in a, in a Bible study with a, another group of ladies and they were studying this verse, and they, or Malachi, and they came across this verse and they read that, that the Lord is, will sit as a refiner of silver and they didn't understand what it meant. And so one of the ladies said, well, hey, here's what I'll do this week. I'll do a little digging, I'll do a little research and, and I'll find out more about the, the silver refining process and next week when we meet, I'll come back and I'll share with you what I found. And they said, that, that's great. Well, you do that and come back and tell us what you fa find out. 
And so that week, a woman, that woman called up the silver, a silversmith, and she made an appointment to come and watch him work, to come and watch him refine silver. And she didn't mention anything to him about the verse or anything just above her curiosity of the refining of silver process. And as she watched the silversmith, she, she noticed that he held a piece of silver over the fire, and he let it heat up. And he explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where, where the flames were the hottest so that it could burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a, a hot spot. Then she thought about, again about the verse that says, He sits as a refiner of silver. And she noticed that the silversmith was, was sitting on a stool in front of the fire. And so she asked the silversmith, you know, if it's true that he had to sit there the whole time in front of the fire. And, and the silversmith said, yes, in fact, not only do I have to sit here the whole time, but I have to keep my eyes constantly on it because if, the, if I take my eyes off of it for just a moment and the silver stays in there just a moment too long in, in the fire for just a moment too long, then the entire piece of silver will be ruined. So the woman sat there silently for a moment and then asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? And he said, oh, that's easy. It's when I see my image in the silver. The process of refining and pruning is really about one thing. It's about making us more into the image of Christ. It's about making us look more like Jesus. So when we prune away all the impurities, when we cut away all the, all the garbage that, that we pick up in the world, our, our goal is to look more like Jesus. That's what discipleship is all about, that we would look more like Jesus every day. And the only way that we can do that is to get rid of all this growth that has grown up around us. So let me again ask you, what is it? in your life that you need to get rid of? What is it that's keeping you from looking like the image of Christ? And what's keeping you from letting go of it? Because oftentimes we know there's stuff in our life that we need to let go of. But for whatever reason, we hold on to it with fierceness. Well, oftentimes, like Tommy mentioned in his communion meditation, we'll, we'll lay it down at, at the foot of the cross, and then when we get up, we pick it right back up with us and take it right back out the door with us. So what is it that you need to get rid of it, of it, and why won't you let it go? I can tell you it's not easy. It's often painful, but it is possible because Jesus is a chain breaker. That's what he does. There was one other statement in that video that stood out to me as we watched it. And when, and when I first watched it, I heard this young farmer make, make this comment, and I immediately thought about the words of Jesus in John, in John 15, verse 5. Here's what the farmer said. He said, you want to keep the ones that are closest to the vine and keep those, and the ones that are farther out, you cut them off and you throw them away. Sounds a whole lot like what Jesus said in verse 5, doesn't it? Go back to verse 5 with me. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The branches that remain close to the vine or, or close to Jesus or as Jesus would say, remain in him. Those are the ones that bear fruit. The branches that get too far away from the vine, they, they grow up too far and they get too far off. They need to be cut off and thrown away. When, when our relationship with Jesus drifts, when we get too far away from the vine, that's when we find that things in life don't go so well, don't we? But when we stay close to the vine, when we stay close to Jesus, when we remain in him, that's when we bear fruit. According to this passage, it's clear that it is impossible to bear fruit without abiding in Christ, without remaining in Christ. You can't bear fruit apart from him. And that means bearing fruit means that, that we have growth in our, in our life with Christ, that we have growth in our relationship. It means that our, our life should produce good works. It means that there should be greater holiness in, in our life. There should be increased self 
selflessness and more steadfast love. And those are all things that we have to intentionally move toward. You don't ever drift into those things, right? If you just say, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be stagnant and kind of just wherever, wherever the flow goes, you never go to those things. It's only when we intentionally stay close to the vine, when we remain in the vine, that those things are produced in our life. But it also means that we make disciples of Jesus, that we make disciples, because disciples should make disciples. Maybe the number one calling of disciples is to make other disciples. So how do we actively abide in Christ? How do we remain in Christ? Well, verse 7 mentions two things that are key. Uh, he says his words, his words abiding in us and then asking whatever we wish. And so abiding in Jesus requires two clear components. First is seeking God in his word and then petitioning him in prayer. In verse 10, Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, which, which can simply be understood as just an outflowing of, of seeking God in his word and then petitioning him in prayer. We listen to the commands of Christ in Scripture, and then we ask for the strength to carry those out, right? That's, that's what he's saying here. If you, but again, if we want to know what the commands of, of Jesus are and be able to carry those out, how do we find those out? Go back to what we said last week. You've got to read the Word. You've got to study the Word. You've got to know the voice. If you want to know the commands of Scripture, open up the Scriptures and read those. I mean, you can think about it this way. Have you ever tried to return something to a store without a receipt anybody ever done that like you got something at christmas and like you you got one of those sweaters that tim wore at christmas and you're like i am not wearing that i gotta take that back but you don't have a receipt and so you you go to take it back and it's a hassle and so we we take everything back to walmart right because walmart will take anything back and so so you take it back and if you don't have a receipt sometimes they, they, you have to go through a little red tape to be able to get money or a, a gift card or whatever. But if you have your receipt, they always take it back right away, don't they? Because your receipt is the easiest way to prove that you bought the item at that store. It's your proof of purchase. In, in verse 8, Jesus tells us that his disciples, t- that it's by bearing much fruit that you will be able to prove that you are the disciples of Jesus. They, they don't become his disciples by doing a bunch of good things. Simply, simply doing good stuff doesn't make you a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear in a couple of verses later that, uh, that, that he's the one that ultimately makes disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So fruit doesn't make you a disciple any more than a receipt makes a purchase. Only Jesus has the authority to make disciples. But, as, but just as your receipt is what proves that you made that purchase, bearing fruit is what proves that you are his disciple. In a perfect world, you'd, you'd never make a big purchase without a receipt, would you? you? You'd always do that. But even more so, you'll never find a disciple that, that does not produce fruit. You will never find a disciple of Jesus that does not produce fruit. If we're a disciple of Jesus, it's the primary command that we bear fruit. A branch on a vine is, is united with the vine in a life-giving way. I mean, literally, the, the nutrients of the vine are passed onto the branch to keep it connected, to keep it growing, and to keep it strong. If, if you cut it off, what happens to the branch? It dies, doesn't it? Right? I mean, that's, we don't have to have an ag degree to know that. If you cut it off from the life source, it dies. And guess what? When we remove ourselves from the vine, when we take ourselves out of Jesus, when we are farther away from Jesus, guess what happens to us spiritually? We begin to die. The only way that we stay alive in Christ is by staying united with Him, by staying, remaining in the vine. 
That's what it means for us to be a disciple, to be united with Christ. In his book, Follow Me, David Platt explains what it means to be united with Christ through, through an illustration about when he got married to his wife. He says that at that time he didn't have a, a stable job or, or any consistent, uh, as he calls it, cash flow. And so he says, On that wedding day, I received so many wonderful things, the most important of which was a beautiful, godly wife. But do you know what else I received on that day? Cash flow. That's what, his words, not mine. It's his book. He says, It was great. At one moment, I had nothing in my bank account, but the moment I said I do, I had everything that was in her bank account, and I didn't have to do anything to earn it. I didn't have to go to her school and teach her five-year-olds. I didn't have to get a job anywhere else, for that matter, simply because my life was now united with hers. Everything that belonged to her became mine. Then he says, In a much, much greater way, when you come to Jesus, when you unite your life with His, everything that belongs to Him becomes yours. His righteousness replaces your unrighteousness. Uh, when you, but when you come to Jesus, His Spirit fills your spirit. His love becomes your love. His joy becomes your joy. His mind becomes your mind. His desires become your desires. His will becomes your, your will. His purpose becomes his, your purpose. His power becomes your power. The Christian life, he says, becomes nothing less than the outliving of the indwelling Christ. Think about that for just a moment. Your, the Christian life is nothing less than the outliving, our living, of the indwelling Christ that is in us because of the Holy Spirit. Here's the bottom line as we close this morning. When you go through the process of pruning and refining, you get rid of the stuff that keeps you away from Jesus. You get rid of the stuff that's going to cut you off from the vine. But as you remain in the vine, as you abide in Christ, you're able to bear fruit. You're able to be a disciple that makes disciples. So, so again, we need to ask ourselves this morning, what is it that you need to get rid of so that you can remain in the vine, so that you can abide in Christ and be a disciple that makes disciples? Because that's what we want to be, our disciples who make disciples. That's the only way that the kingdom of God grows is through disciples making disciples. Let me pray for us. Father God, we, we love you. And we are so thankful for um, the ways in which you love us and, and Father, the way in which you allow us to go through pruning processes from time to time. And so, Father, we just pray that if there are things that are going on in our life that need to be pruned, that need to be thrown away, that, that we would allow you to do that. Um, Father, I, I'm reminded of, of the passage that talks about you being the potter and that we are the clay. So, Father, mold us into, into what you would have us to be. Mold us into that disciple that bears fruit. Help us to, to remain in you, to abide in you, so that we might be able to bear fruit, to, to make new disciples. Because that's, what, that's ultimately what you've called us to do, is to, to be a disciple that makes disciples. So Father, as we, uh, as we prepare to, to have a time of response, if there's someone here that just needs to, uh, to publicly repent and and get rid of stuff in their life, Father, I pray that you would give them the courage to do that. But Father, may, maybe they just need to do that privately and, and, and so just wherever they are in their walk with you and, and even just where they're standing in this moment, that they would give those things over to you, that they would yield their life to you. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.